All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 249 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ Message Board. Our panel today consists of Marcus Almighty Mark. Hello. 69th Blizzard Ken. Hello. And St. Louis Kiss Lonnie. What's and up? And we are going to be talking about another album that celebrates its birthday in the month of May. Uh, thank you all for the feedback for the last episode on Unmasked. And no, because we don't like every song necessarily does not make us a Kiss hater. It means that we didn't care for that song on the day that we did our evaluation. With the exception of me and You're All That I Want, which I really don't like. It's right up there, Read, read My Body or whatever the hell that one is. And the stuff on Smashes and Nothing Can Keep Me From You. But that aside, don't hate Kiss just because we're able to say we favor songs other than other songs. And as KISS fans, it changes on a daily basis anyway. So there we go. Let's get into some news. Today, Sixthman or the KISS crew sent out an email with the KISS Cruise 9 theme, Rock and Roll Legacy. So I wonder mm. if you'll be receiving another rehearsal live in constant. Probably not because I'm not going. You'll probably get a set with the most rarities ever performed by the band on the cruise just because I'm not there. Um but as they say in their, their press, over the years, KISS has created a legacy that is not only undeniable, but recognized all over the world. Book your room now and celebrate the legacy of KISS at sea. Hoo-ah! Uh, they'll be joined by the darkness. Now, that's a big selling point for some people. Darkness? The darkness, uh, the latest the darkness. act. Um, yeah. Bruce Kulick, of course. Steven Adler from Guns N' Roses is how they build him. I don't think he's been in Guns N' Roses since 1991 or 1990. Civil War was the last recording he played on, um, but he's hilarious. Love Steven. He was at uh, yeah. Peter's. He was on the cruise I went on. Yeah, yeah great guy. Uh, New Roses are going to be there, and they're currently opening select dates in Europe for Kiss, which was news to me because I thought David Garibaldi was opening, and then I heard that uh, New Roses had uh, were signed up for at least the first three shows, two in Germany, one in Austria. So I'm still trying to find out if David did any painting or whether that was. Uh, to fill a gap. Of course, the Kiss Cruise is October the 30th to November the 4th, and by the sounds of it, there are berths available. Um, other news today, Ace Rarely completed work on Origins Volume 2, including covers from Jimi Hendrix, Cream, Zeppelin, The Animals, Poral, Revere, and The Raiders, and hopefully Deep Purple, that Ooh. one he cut for his last album that didn't include. Um, and I'm also hoping that he re-recorded something from Kiss, like maybe Darklight, with all of those solos that he accused Bob of stealing from him, uh, put back in how he wanted. But, you know, just some quick guesses. What's it going to be? I think <clears throat> Sunshine of Your Love from Cream, Dazed and Confused would just be too perfect for Ace from uh, from Zap. Um, I don't know. we got to get out of this place. It's probably going to be Animals. Oh, me. It was yeah. one of their bigger hits, but it wasn't. Yeah. Written, it wasn't written by them. And you then, can see Ace saying that. Oh yeah, got to get out of this place. I mean, perfectly. And then for Paul Revere, there's a bunch of good stuff from that band. Kicks immediately jumped to mind because you know, kind of 66, 67 was their sweet spot, and that's when he. Indian was, Reservation. Well, that, that comes later. That was their only number one, I think. Uh, but Hungry yeah, or it's Good Thing. Forty-five. And it'll be it'll be interesting because he's had a bunch of guests. He's had uh, Bruce. 
who's going to, I think, be on the Hendricks one. Lita Ford's going to be on there again. And who knows whom else. So cool stuff to look forward to anyway. Hopefully it's a little bit more music than the last one. And again, I want that Deep Purple track just because I love purple. All right, uh, Dynasty Green Vinyl is arriving. It looks fantastic. I have not ordered it. I'm passing now until something really... Is that it? That's it. Ooh, I don't have yeah, Look at you. Yours have a poster and all that? This is the one from... This is the European one. It has... Oh, no, you couldn't it. wait. You were one of those. <laughs> yeah, I was one of those. I know. So here it is. Here's the. Oh, that looks fantastic! I love it. And it actually looks better in person, actually. And it's game. translucent, so. It is translucent. No, that looks so. uh, very fetching. Yeah, it's nice. No, nice. I'm still yeah. not buying it, but uh, excellent. <laughs> that, that came with a poster and the printed, the printed inner dust sleeve. Yeah, it's a nice. Is that thicker? Uh, thick. Yeah, sleeve and the normal poster. Yes. So, cool. Awesome. Very cool. Good to see. Glad to see they continue to do uh, all those sorts of things. All right. So, Mark, talking about music, you've got yes. a new EP dropping on Saturday, I believe. Can you just uh, tell everyone about it and where they can find you uh, for it? Because obviously, as a supporter of your music, anytime you have something new, I'm always interested. Okay. So, as I've mentioned a few times before, I have a sort of offshoot project going on called Mark Anthony K and the Lower Third Collective. And uh, I have an EP coming out. There is the cover. I don't know if you can see that at all, but kind of glary. But anyways, um, you can get that off of Bandcamp. Um, right? You just look up Mark Anthony K and the Lower Third Collective. It's the only one there, obviously, so it'll come up right away. Um, four songs. Um, let's put it this way. Much more straight ahead rock metal, hard rock metal type of stuff. No keyboards or stuff like that. Um, although one song does have a Hammond B3 organ in it, but that's, you know, it's far, far away from sort of a anything prog-ish. Um, but still, um, I, when I was writing some of the Project Gemini stuff, I started writing these kind of riffs and, you know, stuff like that that weren't really progressive. So rather than throw them away, I stashed them away. And I ended up using them later and wrote this EP. And uh, I really like how it turned out. I think it turned out really good. It's a lot more raw sounding to it. It isn't as polished. And some people might actually like that or might prefer that. So, so far, the people who have gotten the pre-order from it have all given it the thumbs up from the first song that's available. And uh, as of Saturday, the whole thing will be available. So check it out. It's only a low price of seven Canadian dollars, which is like three dollars US, I think, or something like that. So. Mm. Um, so there you go. Very cool. Yeah, I heard the first track, Impressed, as always. So congratulations on yet another musical project coming uh, coming to reality. All right, so let's talk about, oh, 1992. Woo! We're going back in time <laughs> to an album that I have a love and hate relationship with. Because 1992, let's see, where was I? I was at Penn State in Scranton. And I'd gotten suckered. I didn't realize I wasn't really going to State College. I was going to Throop. And it was a shithole where I was. And Revenge came out, and we were all listening to Nirvana. Um, I was kind of off Kiss a little bit because I couldn't afford magazines. I wasn't current on anything. I don't think we even had MTV. But um, 
ended up finding out that Kiss had released a new album, and I put it on, and holy shit. Number one, Sonic Fidelity blew me away, versus the previous album, Hot in the Shade, obviously. There's a big difference in the sonic quality uh, of the two albums. And then the songs. And I don't know whether it was that I'd grown up a couple years, which I obviously had, but I'd also grown up a couple of years. But I didn't really resonate with the songs. There was a lot of stuff in that that I suddenly felt like I was a little bit older than what they were aiming for as a target. So I had pro- I had I had problems, which is really weird as a Kiss fan. Because come on, listen to all the catalog. Um, it's all pretty lowbrow stuff. There's nothing particularly stimulating in it. It's just good rock music that you forget your problems and just bop your head to. But mm-hmm. at that time, um, I was like, it, it didn't work for me as much as I did like Unholy as a different kind of grooving song. So, Lonnie, why don't we go straight to you? Because I know you're tapping your feet saying, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. Talk about it. So, Julian, you said you were 1992. 1992 for me, I was in middle school. I was in seventh grade at St. Thomas the Apostle in North County, in North County, what we call North County in St. Louis. And it was a great time for me because you the use your illusions album had came up come out in the fall of 91 and then kiss releases revenge in the spring of 92 and like my my two favorite I, music from my two favorite bands and i don't you know if you guys remember the there was a um a rip magazine special that had the revenge um had the revenge lined up on the cover and there was a secondary story from about a, an interview with Axl Rose, too, that, that, that Rip did a, um, a three-part series up. Um, and the first part had the first part of the series had Axl on the cover. Then the second part of the series had, you know, small pictures of Axl. And, you know, the bulk of the cover was another band. But I, I'll, I'll never forget that that magazine cover. It had Kiss on the front and then a small picture of Axl. It's just like the perfect time capsule of where I was musically in my life and like maybe where I still am musically today for that matter. Um, Cause they're still my two favorite bands ever. And I've told the story on, on the show before that, you know, I'm 12, I guess I was 12 years old at the time. And I don't, I didn't know a new kiss album was coming out. I mean, you know, you listen, you listen to the radio and you can, you know, your parents really have control over the radio and the car. You know, I mean, you knew you could fight from magazines when you'd go to the grocery store with your parents and you'd flip through Rip or Hit Parade or, or Circus or whatever to see what was going on, what was coming out. So I didn't know Kiss had a new album coming out, but I saw the Unholy video on MTV. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And it just was so much different from what we had heard previously from Kiss on Hot in the Shade that – it blew me away and, you know, and, and it blew a lot of Kiss fans away. It's, it was not what, what Kiss fans were expecting out of the band. And I, well, I guess we had heard God gave rock and roll to you prior to that from, from Bill and Ted, but still, it was, still wasn't really what we were expecting. So, I mean, the, the album, Julian said like the album doesn't really resonate with you when it first came out, if, you know, that you were, you're in college and like, well, this is kind of, kind of shtick, kind of lowbrow stuff. But I guess that, you said you weren't the audience they were targeting. They were targeting, I guess, someone like me at that age, because songs like Domino and songs like Spit and Take It Off and I Just Wanna, you know, 
if you're 12, 13 years old, God, that's awesome. I love everything about it. You know, you're as hormonal as could possibly be. And, you know, shit like that's just the coolest thing ever. And you get something like that in my band, out of my favorite band. You know, yeah, I can look on it now. And yeah, those lyrics are cheesy and, and this and that. But I still absolutely love it to this day. And I mean, I, I listened to it yesterday or I, mean, I, I don't know, the other day, just trying to get my rankings in. It's just like, I, I still can't get enough of this album this many years later. I absolutely love it. And first time I came on the show, Julian asked me my favorite album is I said, Revenge, hands down. And it still is. And it always will be. Yep, it's your asylum, you know. It I, is. Just like I love that cheesy stuff on Asylum because it right. resonated with me when I was 14. You know, I, I, I try and put it back. The same reasons. Under the microscope in the same way. Ken, you know, obviously as someone who came up with, through album by album all the way t- to this point, what was your first thoughts on Revenge when you heard it and heard about it? Well, I knew it was coming. I knew that. Um, and then... Uh, uh, I think I did see first. I saw the uh, unholy, like like Lonnie. I saw. I used to tape the Headbangers Ball uh, <laughs> on VHS. It's an appointment. And yeah. People, VHS is you know, yes. Right. Good anyway, um, so I used to record those automatically every. I think it was Saturday night. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, I'd watch them back, and I saw. I knew. I think I knew Kiss was going to be on there, or a video, or something, and. And I saw that, I'm like, holy cow, what the heck? This is so, this is like, this is great stuff. It sounds great, looks great. Uh, the best the band has looked since taking off the makeup. Um, and action as when Creatures came, uh, you know, after The Elder. Um, the same thing is like, okay. Yes, they're back again. They're back, you know. And uh, and then I saw the club show, the first the first club show in San Francisco at the Stone. And I've talked about that before where I got in there and they're playing the album. So I actually was hearing the album as we're waiting in the club. They're playing the Revenge album before it was even released. Uh, so I heard it early, which was cool. And then, and I was like, oh, this stuff is freaking great. And then, uh, then of course, you know, I bought it on the day album. So I, I was very happy with what I was hearing. Uh, it's, it's for me, definitely. Very cool. Top five could be top five almost. Too, Always so. jealous of your club tour. First oh, show with Eric. That well. was great. And great. Yeah. That and that and your creature shows. That that was a sweat yeah. pit, wasn't it? So <laughs> it was a sweat pit. All right, Mark, <laughs> fellow fellow asylumites. Yes. So, um, oh, hang on a second. There you go. Um, I got into this record because of my friend who was in my band at the time. Um, this was the period for me when I was in that band, Nasty Black. Uh, Julian, you might be aware of that recording that i had larger made larger than life yes uh, that was right around that time and uh i remember going to his place and he brought me into his living room and he goes hey check this out he didn't tell me what it was he just started playing something and then, you know started with that dun 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 there and i started saying well this is pretty cool he goes you know what this is i go, no he goes it's kiss 
And honestly, when he told me that, I was like, really? I go, it sounds pretty heavy for Kiss, you know, like, because, you know, you, you heard Forever and stuff like that. And, you know, they were, they didn't really have hugely heavy songs at that point, you know, Rise to It and stuff like that was on before. So it was, that was more like bluesy rock, but this was like hard hitting borderline metal, you know what I mean? Stuff. So, and then we started listening to the rest of the rest of the record and, you know, hanging out, drinking beers. And it was like, oh, this is pretty good, actually. And uh, but, you know, after like five, six beers, everything sounds great. So even if it wasn't good, it would have sounded good regardless. Yeah, there you go. So, um, <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, as I've given it more listens throughout the years, um, it's one of those records like Julian where I've had up and down moments with it, I find. Uh, there's some times where I find that it kind of connects with me good. Other times where I just kind of just slap my head and say, Jesus, what are these guys thinking when they write some of this stuff? Uh, it's like, you know, like spit. It's like got to be the the worst song ever re- recorded and committed to tape ever. I'm, I'm surprised that Bob Ezrin even even like okayed that. I, mean, I thought he was supposed to be like some world renowned producer that he let that slide and get on a record. It's fun. What are we talking he, about? He needs to be bitch slapped for that. Um, to happen. Well, well, he did take a writing yeah. credit on it, did he? <laughs> but it, it, but the, but you know what i'm gonna say this though because i know that people are gonna already expecting me to go on the whole bob ezrin trip here but i'm gonna say this bob ezrin did a phenomenal job sonically on this record it sounds really really good some of the best guitar tones i've heard on a record like possibly ever that he's ever done on a record uh, i i love the sound of bruce Kulick's guitar solos they're so you know, crunchy and in your face and that wah sound that he has on this record. Honestly, it's what made me that much more a Bruce Kulick fan than before. I mean, I was on the Bruce train right from the beginning. I, I loved his playing and, you know, Asylum's my favorite record. So of course, you know, his playing on that is fantastic, but on this, he really stepped it up a notch and I, his tone was what I kind of started gearing toward as a guitar player myself. Like, to get that wasp sound. I wanted that sound. It sounded so awesome, you know? So uh, a lot can be said positively about Bob on this record, for sure. Um, as far as some of his decisions on the songs that were allowed on this, I think he, you know, he needs a good talking to on a few of them. But overall, the songs, I think, are, are decent. They sound okay. But, I mean, let's put it this way. I look at it like this. There's 12 songs on this record. Five of them are fantastic like absolutely stand out and the ones that right now really brought the record up about five or six places in my ranking from before like just listening to the last couple of days these five songs and i'm sure we're going to talk about them when we get to them uh really upped it for me and uh you know but but the lower half of it i still think is pretty weak and that's why i'm kind of surprised because (laughs) because i think that (laughs) i think that bob it's, it, it, I, I blame that personally on Bob's shoulders because he's the one that was supposed to be steering the boat. He should have had the you know the balls to say to them, no, come on, this song is crap. We're not putting this on, you know. And he didn't, you know. So, but that's my uh, first impression. Awesome. So before we get into the rankings, I'll uh, just say, Mitch, we should have had you on the show. So I got my new mm-hmm. T-shirt, by the way. So listen to Rock Talk with <clears throat> Mitch Lafon. I paid for it as well. That wasn't a played product placement case cynical uh, oh. we're wondering no i buy all my shit um 
I lost my train of thought completely. Yes. We just walked into a wall. <laughs> so what I was going to say is, as usual, we're going to rip off the lipstick panels ranking methodology. We've uh, all provided rankings in order from least favorite to most favorite of the songs on the album, assigned a point value to each, add them up, and then shaking the hat. And we're going to get started right away with in 12th place. Car Jam 1981 on seven points. That one to me feels like um, everyone kind of ranked it a little bit low because there's a lot better stuff on the album and it seemed just to be one of those things for me. When I first heard the album, I'm like, this is all they did for Eric Carr. They took a demo, which I already had, and they butchered it. They took it out of its original context. They shortened it. They added Bruce. No offense to Bruce, because his guitar work on it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but they took Ace out, which, as a tribute to Eric Carr, to a tribute to what he had recorded, it was just, to me, it was the complete wrong way of doing a tribute to him. If anything, they should have uh, you know, done a live album. But uh, I, I totally get why that one's ranked so low. For me, I actually ranked it the highest of you all. So uh, let's see. Lonnie, let's start with you. I did rank it on the bottom. It, was my, it is my least favorite, <clears throat> excuse me, my least favorite track on the album. And mainly for the reasons you just said, Julian. You know, it just seemed like it seems as much as they wanted it to be a tribute to Eric Carr, it's really a throwaway on on the album. It's the one throwaway on the album for me. That, you know, if I'm going to listen, if I listen to Revenge straight through, rarely do I finish Car Jam. And, and it's sad in that because Eric Carr is a great drummer and was a huge member and a huge of importance to the band for a long time. And it's a shame that that's the one tribute he really got from the band. I agree there should have been some kind of live album after he passed to to celebrate him and his accomplishments in the band. Um, I also agree with Ace being taken out. I wish Ace would have been left in and left. If they're going to put that on the album, leave it as true to its form as possible. But Bruce's guitar work is amazing on there as well. But I would have preferred it to be in its original form and not chopped up the way it is. So for those reasons, it is my, my least favorite. It's the one throwaway on the album for me. And which is a shame because Eric Carr was incredible. Yeah, instrumentals are always an easy target to place last in any ranking is the way I look at it. But on the positive side is think of the sonic fidelity of that recording, which means that Bob had stuff that sounds that good from the elder in his vault because Eric was begging for that song throughout his life. Would have loved to have had a copy. You hear him talk in interviews. Oh, I want it. I can't. I don't have it. And then the moment he dies, it magically appears. So, Mark, what are your thoughts on Car Jam? A lot of the same that Lonnie said, I mean, and you as well. I mean, obviously, to me, it seems like a bit of a wasted opportunity. I mean, you're trying to give tribute to this guy who was such an integral part of the band for all those years. And really, you know, it just ends up being a mishmash of stuff on there. Like you said, it would have been a much better tribute to him if it was the song complete, even, I think, just to show his performance of it. I'm glad that the, the drum solo is in there because Eric Carr, for me personally, when I think of Eric Carr, I always think of his drum solos from the live concerts. They were always such a big part of the shows that they did and that they have a recorded version of it on there like that. That sounds really good now, thanks to Bob. Uh, I'm just happy that that's on there. Of course, like you said, if, if they should have left Ace on there to make it really more much more authentic. 
And you know, I, I would have even have, wouldn't even have mind if, if Paul or somebody sang something there, just like to make it a complete song. At least it just seemed very incomplete. That's the one thing I've always hated about it. Is just it just ends so abruptly. It doesn't seem like a song because of that. It just seems like just like oh, we started something. He did a drum solo, and we just kind of like did like thirty seconds after and just cut it off. It just it just seems very incomplete. Great thoughts, Ken. What about you for Car Jam? Yeah, well, I like to have peanut butter with my car jam. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, it's it's just an extra thing. I don't count it as part of the album, even though it's on the album. I don't count it as the core theme or you know sound of the album itself. Um, I just think, I just think, it, yeah, they could have put it on a, maybe a little forty-five in in the album as a kind of thing. And maybe then a couple, maybe one side that and the other side another Eric Carr thing. Um, maybe a live, you know, uh, track on one of the sides of a 45. Um, that would have been maybe better way to do it. Um, so yeah, it's there's cause it doesn't fit with the rest. It really doesn't. I, I, I enjoy it when I hear it. Uh, I like hearing, you know, Eric's drums and uh, he's a great drummer, was a great drummer. Um, so it's you know it's, it's it's a good reminder of how how good of a drummer he was. And just because it's ranked least doesn't mean we hate Eric Carr or the song. Something has to Correct. last in these rankings, and that's just how the jam melted. Whatever. Okay, let's move on mm-hmm. to in the eleventh in eleventh spot. Tough love on seventeen points. Tough love. It. I think I had this ranked the highest. So. I I always I always I always like the riff, you know. But in terms mm-hmm. of a song, it does feel a little bit incomplete compared to a lot of the other songs on it. It's a great, again, it, it's all about Bruce for me. So I actually like it more than the rest of you. Ken, I think you liked it the least. Yeah, I I listened to it again, and I just couldn't put it up very high. Um, the feel it's kind of like with. Uh, when we talked about Unmasked last time, where we had um, "You're All That I Want," I said this, the the chorus, the chorus fails, and and that's where this one fails too. Is is there's no real, I mean, they go tough, you know, then love, and it's just they could have come up with something better than that, Paul. Come on, <laughs> you're better than that. Or um, Bob. I just think it was kind of your Bob. <laughs> Um, and just reaching for I don't know what. So that reason it falls so low. I, that's the only one that maybe I would skip on this album. Really, um, it's just really does nothing for me. Now, I don't know why it's on side one of the vinyl. It should have been on this, you know, in, towards the end of the album. Lonnie, you and Mark both have this ranked the same. So let's go with you first. I like it. I like the. I like the verses more than I like the chorus. I'm with Ken on that one. I think the 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 verses have more. It's, 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 it's yeah, it's <laughs> tough to say thought out too because I don't know if Kiss lyrics are really thought out and and are you know Music master masterpieces you know. But mm-hmm. I think I, but I think but I like the verses more than I like the chorus. The chorus I'm, I I will agree with you. It seems a bit unfinished. That that's give me tough. Oh, okay, back. You know, that's that's all they they had. It seems a bit unfinished and a bit 
maybe maybe lazy mm-hmm. for Kiss as opposed to coming up coming up with something maybe a little bit better. But I do like the riff. I do like the verses. Um, I think Paul's vocal. I think Paul really sounds great on this album and and this song in particular. I I'll, I'll say it probably throughout throughout the the show today. But Paul's vocals just sound great, and I think it's really one of the reasons why I like this too is because I think Paul was really had hit his peak, peak vocally around this area, this era. He he really sounds really strong on this record. Mm-hmm. And you listen like the unplugged from the same era too. He's just so strong. So um, I think Paul sounds great. I love the riff and I love the verses. The chorus is a little lacking, but other than that, I think it's a great song. Yeah, it's surprised that we're talking about our second least favorite song on the album. You're, you're, gonna, be, you're, gonna, you're gonna hear what you're gonna hear. I'm gonna regurgitate what I just said a whole lot on today's show. All right, well, let's let's, <laughs> let's go to Mark then and uh, tell us why. Well, um, tough love. I think a lot of the points that you guys brought up, I'll I'll echo. I think the chorus is very um, incomplete, and 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 again for me, very surprising because. You know, with Bob at the helm, somebody who's so known to be involved in the songwriting, whether it's lyrics or music, uh, and and with numerous bands that we know about, the fact that he let something like that slide is just, I don't understand how he let that happen. Um, but the verses are strong. I have to agree with Lonnie. Paul Stanley sounds incredible vocally on this record. Some of the best recorded vocals Paul Stanley's done on here, and that. I'll give a tip of the hat to Bob with he definitely had a lot to do with that, I think, too. Getting the nice sound and tone of his voice on this record sounds great. But the one thing about Tough Love that also kind of bugged me, and I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but that riff at the beginning, that when I heard Heart of Chrome and then I was like, wait a minute, is this like part two of Tough Love? Because it sounds almost like they took it and just rearranged the notation a bit, and it's just pretty much almost the same rhythmical idea on there. But I was like, eh, you know, that kind of bugs me when I hear a repeated sort of thing, almost identical in two different songs. Again, I think they could have come up with something better for Heart of Chrome if they were going to use it for Tough Love, right? But that's maybe nitpicking, okay, I'll admit. But overall, I think Tough Love is okay. Uh, Again, it has some good... Bob solo, uh, Bob, uh, some good Bruce soloing in there, uh, but other than that, I, I don't think it's there's anywhere near the strongest songs on this record. No, one of the great things about this record for me with Bob Ezrin is that you can actually see the layers, textures and tones. You know, Bruce's guitars, Paul's vocals, Gene's bass, Eric's yeah. drums, the the layers of harmonies, um, and there there are some of these um, tracks that do circulate out there that would be on a deluxe edition of just the harmonies and some of that stuff. It's just exquisite. And throughout this whole album, you know that that is where Bob is best, and this is really I think he does a better job on this album than perhaps even Destroyer in terms of balancing in the aggression. <laughs> the music, um, you know, different era. So for that, for that era, it certainly measures up. Well, okay. You behave. (laughs) Look at your wall. Say nice (laughs) things about Bob. All right, let's move on to 10th place spit. And we have two factions on this show. We have the faction that hates this song 
it's our least favorite on the album and we have those who actually rank it quite high so let's go straight back to mark uh who who along with me does not like this song at all shocking okay this song is garbage okay this song is the absolute worst it's a travesty to the kiss catalog this song okay this song should have been deleted bob should have accidentally went a chew and hit record and recorded over the whole thing by accident and just deleted the whole thing okay the lyrics are comical at best okay i mean don't get me wrong you know a lot of people who know like a lot of my friends know that I had a thing for big butt girls too, so I understand where Gene's coming from. Okay, so, but uh, <laughs> but you know, the thing is, there's one thing about you know writing it into a song like that. I mean, it really does sound Spinal Tapish the way they do it, you know. And the the the, the one thing that I will give it a thumbs up for is that something that was very, very lacking in Kiss songs that finally appeared is that we had Gene and Paul singing on a song together finally. I think that's something that's been long, long, long overdue. And it's just a shame that they had to do it on a turd like this song. So, um, yeah, so I, I think it sucks and it should be removed. Yeah, I'm going to pile on and uh, get my thoughts in on this since I hate it. I've always hated it, whether it was going back to the beginning of the show when I said maybe it was where I was at uh, in 1992 that I wasn't able to go back to when I was 14, where I would sing the praises of all this stuff uh, all night. Come on, you know. I couldn't get it in 1992. I hated this song. Once that Spinal Tap lyric comes in, I've got two notes written for this song. Bob was brilliant for not taking a co-writing credit on this, and Gene was brilliant getting Paul to sing that line. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that that basically sums it up for me. Um, otherwise, musically, it's a good song. Um, lyrically, not so much. Lonnie, let's go to you first on this. I like it. I think it's fun and it's 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 total kiss. I mean, this is kiss we're talking about. This is the same band that sings put your hand in my pocket, grab onto my rocket. So what's so wrong with the lyrics in this song if we're all okay with what's going on like with Take Me? And I know it's on the first or six albums and we can't say anything bad about the first six albums, especially Rock and Roll Over, but it's it's no it's no different than that. It's absolutely in the same exact vein, and I don't but, care what you say. Okay, but, but this is Spinal Tap had not come out yet. Sure, and not only, I, and not only sure, that, I get, it, I get it, but it's in the same vein as, as anything of this crotch rock. It's the same thing. Take Lonnie, me down come below. on, these, these, these take guys. Me down below. Thank you, Ken. Yeah, but yes. here's the thing. Go ahead, Mark. Don't Question. Forget, yes, Mark. Don't forget though. <laughs> back then, when they did Rock and Roll Over, these guys were like. 26 years old i could have expected them now like they're like when you turn 40 mark no but i'm saying though that i'm surprised though that their lyrical thing is still at that level in their 40s that's all I'm i haven't saying. matured at all since i was 14 i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> technically not, so, not okay, neither I have i but you know so, i mean seriously their lyrics are the same in their 60s too so. correct yeah ken mentioned take me down below oh she said, I got a submarine. I know exactly what she means. It's the same thing. Exactly. Same thing. Well, you know the lyrics to that song? You don't? Why are you on this show? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ken, and, it is co- and it is coffee that enables us. I'm just a little wound up. Ken, <laughs> Ken we need the voice of reason. We're, dial 911 for reason. 911. 
Um, well, first of all, I agree with Lonnie. Um, it is a fun song. The lyrics, that's fine. I was 31, I think, when when it came out. I was okay with it. Yeah, the bigger the cushion, the better the push-in. I knew that was a Spinal Tap reference kind of thing because I saw, you know, saw the movie, in which I loved that movie, Spinal Tap. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> one of my all-time it's, favorites. It, it's classic. Anyone who hasn't seen it, go see it or rent it. Um, um, now, Spit should have been called probably what the original title was going to be, which is, excuse my language, but shit should have been the title of it. Um, yeah, I know. Sorry about that. I try to keep it clean here um, for you younger viewers. Um, but, yeah, it should have been just a different lyric. Otherwise, the lyrics are fine. And, and again, it's a fun song. Uh, they rock out. It's, it's different. It's a different twist uh, for, for Kiss to do a song like this. Um, I do like the Gene and Paul trade-off uh, vocals, which is always very cool in any song if they can do it. Um, so, hey, it was number five on my list. Uh, I enjoy it. I don't skip it. No, I, I don't skip any song on this album as much as some work and some don't. Um, all right, here we are. Ninth position. I just want to on 23 points. Mm-hmm. Fuh. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's my problem with it. I have this second from bottom because of the fuh. Because you didn't have the balls enough to say, fuck it. You wore that stupid shirt in all these photo sessions, and you still didn't have the balls to say it on the record. No, it, the song just, I mean, apart from it being a rewrite of what was it, Summertime Blues, it's been accused of being. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the video, but I'm just not a fan nice. of the song. So there you go. Lonnie, back to you on that. It's my second favorite song on the album. <laughs> well, fuck. I, <laughs> I love this song. Um, I remember the video came out for it in summer '92. Um, I, obviously, I had the record by that point, but I, they, MTV actually played this video quite a bit in the summer of '92, um, more than they had for a lot of Kiss videos. Um, I remember being on a lot, so I remember like you know friends being over in the summertime and, and stuff like that, and and. Them here and they go, and they'd be like, "Oh, who is this?" I go, "This is Kiss." Like, oh, really? What's well, different? You know, it's you know, people thought I don't know people. I people my age thought it was it was it was fun and you know, say the F word without saying the F word, I guess. You know, um, my niece actually loves this song, and she, she requested that the DJ played it during my wedding reception, actually, and like everybody figured that everybody like people who knew it was Kiss like figured that oh, Lonnie. Why Lonnie re- request this to be played during the reception? My niece actually requested it to be played during the reception. You're, you're still making excuses for it, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I excuses. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Just in case anyone I who was there sees us. No one knows. No one's watching this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, it, I, I think it's, a, it's a fun song. And, you know, it, it works it works well live and I, I think it worked better live because, you know, the crowd is, is singing, you know, the F word back and forth. You know, if you listen to a live three and you listen to um, some of those other revenge recordings and that it worked, it worked well live. And I don't know. I wish, I wish they, I wish the band would play this and they won't because there's too many kids that go to shows now and they just won't play it. And 
you know, it, it gets me as much as the band always talks about how great that revenge is, that they don't play anything off of revenge. Even when they started the, the end of the road tour, you know, what they chose to play from the unmasked era, you know, obviously lick it up and, and heaven's on fire. And, and they played hide your heart and still nothing off revenge. But when they do interviews, they always talk about how great revenge is, but they never play anything off. And that, that drives me up the wall. So, um, I think it's a fun song, and I have it second from top. All right, Mark. Yeah, um, I have this really in the dead center. Oh, center. center. Yeah, right dead center. <clears throat> so um, there's a lot of things that are good on this, I think, and a lot of things that are bad on this, I think. Paul sings really good, I think, on this song. It's great singing. The video I thought was pretty cool as well. Uh, I agree with Lonnie. They play this quite a lot, especially here in Canada too. They play this far more than Domino ever got played here. This video was played like easily ten times more. Um, the parts that I don't like about this, I've never liked that breakdown. Wake up, baby! That thing kind of just really drove me up the wall when they do that part. I just think it's just really oddly mixed. It just it sounds really too wishy. It's I don't know. That's maybe again just kind of a nitpicky thing on my own end but I, I really don't like that and again I have to agree that why they didn't just say fuck in it I don't understand because at this point you know it was very cool and hip to have a PMRC warning sticker on your album <laughs> and if anything it was being proven years later that having that on there almost made kids go out and buy these records because they wanted something cool and against their you know parents so if anything they missed the boat again kiss Another thing they missed a boat on, they should have put a sticker on there. Maybe it would have sold another 100,000 copies. Who knows, right? But I, I just think it's not a bad song. I do hear the kind of, you know, summertime blues comparison in there and stuff like that. But it's not, like you know, blatant, I don't think. There's moments in there where you can pick it out. But I don't think they really meant to purposefully rip it off, I don't think. But, you know, overall, it's kind of middle of the road. Again, I just think that, uh, I'm surprised that Bob didn't step in and put more of his production magic over it. That's obviously Vinnie Vincent's fault for not letting Bob touch it. <laughs> Vinnie would not let Bob touch it. So it, it's like Son of Crazy Crazy Nights. These are crazy, crazy. I just want to, you know, always seen them as kind of similar kind of songs going with the same vibe. All right, Ken, final words on I Just Wanna. Well, the same goes for this as uh, spit you know uh, they should have said the other word um on this they should have said the f word um you know what and i think it would have could have brought in some more sales because you know what young kids teenagers they love that stuff when when someone sings that kind of stuff in the song you know it's just like oh yeah you know um versus just fa um it's just I think it would have been a better, better thing to do. I don't know. They're trying to be safe for some reason. Um, they, I guess they didn't want that sticker on their album, Mark. <laughs> or, you know, I, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. So um, that's why it's it's low because of uh, that, and because uh, to me it's somewhat a little bit of the ripoff of the summertime blues thing. Um, it's obvious, you know, very very obvious. Um, but otherwise it's, you know, it's a decent song. It just, they just could have, you know, put the word in there. You know what? I'm 
curious about one thing though, Lonnie. You being at that demographic age when this came out, do you think that you would have been thinking that it was even more cooler if they would have said fuck or not? Oh, for sure. For sure I would have thought it had been cool. For sure, absolutely. Because I loved, I loved Use Your Illusions. And I, I, well, you know, with like Perfect Crime, you know, like how many times can I actually say fuck during one song? You know? Get in the ring, motherfucker. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same same thing off off of two. You know, and actually one thing I forgot to say about I, I just want to while we're talking about it is you know I would play this song. I remember playing this song and my mom being like, you know, she's like, you know, I know what they're singing in that song. I go, oh no, mom, you know, look look at the lyrics. Look, it says I just want to forget you. And she's like, you know, they can write whatever they want in those lyrics, but I know what they're saying in that song. <laughs> Pardon the hell out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Mothers. Turn that stuff down. I, I once had to try and explain uh, what was it? Uh, Ten seconds to love. Motley Crue to my mom. Yeah, <laughs> did not go well. There we go. <laughs> so in in essence, Lonnie, they should have called the album "Shitfuck." Right. <laughs> or the other way. Spitfa. Yeah. All right, here we go. In eighth place, paralyzed on twenty four points, and I think I have this one the highest. I just like the vibe. It was always the mission as well. I held up the Argentinian cassette, which has an extended oh, mumble yeah. mumble in the middle of it. There's some other changes in terms of fades between songs and extended uh, outros on it. So if you get an opportunity to pick up the Argentine cassette, I don't think it's on the CD or the LP, um, get a rip. It's actually worthwhile. There's even more revenge for your listening pleasure from Argentina. Mm. All right. Um, Ken, straight back to you for Paralyzed. Yeah, I have this as seven on my list, and uh, you know it's a it's a it's a real good song. Um, it's just not you know Gene's better ones on the album. Um, I I think it's real good. The mumbling part's kind of weird in the middle, like you said, and extended mumbling part is maybe would be too much. I know they're maybe trying to rap or something there, uh, create something with that, um, but. It's a good song. And again, the, the the vocals between Paul and Gene are some of the best vocals, some of Gene's best sounding vocals, plus plus Paul's too. Um, those are all you know right on for this album. But Paralyzed is a good song. I, another one. I I don't skip it. Nice, Mark. Well, I had this at six. Um, I think it's a decent song. Uh, one one of the things that really sticks out for me on this is I love. Bruce Kulick's guitar playing on this, mm-hmm. like that whole right off the top, that whole lead thing at the top with the wah again, it just sounds really cool. Um, and he's he's really on point. I think one thing that Bob did really good on this record is that I think he really harnessed Bruce Kulick's soloing potential and really drew out as much of it as possible on this album. I think it it took he literally took songs that I think that if he wasn't as on fire as he was on some of them, I probably wouldn't have liked nearly as much. I think. Because I think Paralyze, if you strip away Bruce's contribution to it, it's okay. It's not a bad Gene song, but I think Bruce just gives it that extra bit of fire that really pumped it up for me a lot more than it did prior. I, I think that it's uh, it's it's good. It's it's one of the you know it's the middle of the road. It's definitely not a stinker. I would never say Paralyze is a stinker on this record. I think it's not too bad. Well, technically, this is Lonnie's least favorite song on the album. Since yeah. Carja wow. doesn't count, why? Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, I had a really difficult time ranking these songs, and usually when we go through this exercise, 
I started the Bob and go, oh yeah, that song's trash. Like, oh yeah, that song's trash too. And work my way up to the good songs. And I was going to do the same thing for this album. And I started with Car Jam. Okay, that's my least favorite. And I was like, I can't pick a next least favorite, I found out. So I had to start at the top and work my way down. And it was really by default that the song ended up being my least favorite song on the album. And I really, unfortunately, can't really give you a definitive answer why, as opposed to I just like the other ones more. Um, I don't have really much bad to say about the song. I agree with Ken, the mumbling in the middle of it's kind of, kind of goofy. Um, I don't know what it kind of seems unfinished. Like we were trying to do something there and we just kind of just left it as is and didn't really complete the process of what we were originally looking for. But, um, Bruce's work in it is good. I like Bruce's. So I agree with Mark and I really like Bruce's work in it. Um, I, I like that you can hear Gene and Paul very, very, you can hear each of the main voices of Kiss very well in the song with Gene and Paul. But, well, unfortunately, I don't have a good answer why it's my least favorite song on the album. It's just mainly by by default and process of elimination, unfortunately, because yep. I, I, I think it's it's good. I don't have much bad to say about it. Yep, something that has to end up at the bottom of the list somewhere. All right, in seventh place, one of my all-time favorite Paul Stanley ballads, which is even better on MTV Unplugged, and it is Every Time I Look at You, scoring 27 points. And this was my second favorite song. Again, I've said it all. It's I will never get tired of it. Uh, it's the video that no one ever saw as well. So, you know, as a collector, finding out that there was a video was really cool because I was back in Scotland by that time and just didn't know what was going on in Kiss World, didn't know that videos were coming out, didn't know that they were past the point of getting shown on MTV in the U.S. anyway um, <laughs> after I Just Wanna. So... Um, Great song. Love it. But I'll listen to the unplugged version any day of the week. Again, that whole album I can throw on. But on um, Revenge, it's a, it's a really, really great song and really the high point of Paul's power ballads uh, that he'd started in, what, 80, I guess 82. or uh, Yeah, 82 with uh, Nowhere, to, Nowhere to Run and I Still Love You. All right, who's got this second favorite? Lonnie, straight back to you. I do. I, I enjoy this. Very much. It's very strong. I like it more than forever. And it's a shame to me that this song didn't do better. Or it didn't do anything for that matter. I didn't like I'm with Julian. I didn't know. And I don't think a lot of us knew that there even was a video for this song until years later. And I think it's a shame, really, because I think I think it's a stronger song than forever. I think lyrically and musically, it's it's far superior. Um, it sounds even better when they did it live on MTV Unplugged. They did it on the cruise that I went on, and in 12, Paul still sounded great doing the song. Um, I, I think it's it's very emotional, and, and my wife even like my wife likes this song too. And there's there's really not a whole lot bad to say about it. And I think it's it's a song too that you know that a lot of people can kind of relate to in in, in certain ways. So I, it's my third, it's my third from time. It's fantastic. Sorry, that was your wife. She said she was just, <laughs> she only says she likes it to make you feel better. Um, <laughs> I feel better about myself. <laughs> Mark, you like this the least of us. Yeah. 
Um, how do I put this? Okay, the MTV version of this is good. I like it. I, I think the song is good. Let me just put it to you like this. It's a good song, but I just don't think this song, in my opinion, could be wrong, of course, I don't think this song fits on this record. I really don't. I mean, you're, you're talking about a record that has these hard-hitting songs on there, such, such fantastic you know, attempts at making a real hard rocking song. And all of a sudden you get this you know, piano orchestra and it, it just really seems like out of place on this record to me. I remember the first time I heard this, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Because the whole time before you're rocking out to this record and then all of a sudden it just kind of comes to a dead halt and comes to this all of a sudden. Me personally... And I know that you guys are not going to agree with this because I just heard you say so. I like Forever better than this. I, I always have. I just think that Forever is a more... And I think Forever actually would have probably been better on this album than on Hot in the Shade. Although probably it was not a, it's probably a good idea that it wasn't because it probably wouldn't have been as big a hit that it was if it was switched places. But um, I don't know. I just... I don't think it's a bad song. I think Bob did a good job with it. You know, the orchestra and all that sounds really good. It's a it's a good song. I just don't think that they should have put it on this album. That's that's my only thing with it. Why I think I placed it so low. So it's too gorgeous for this. Too lush. Too, yeah, it's, it's, too it's good too, with all yeah, the orchestration. Too, it, yeah, it does. Yeah. It does kind of stick out in terms of its uh, qualities. And actually, I was unfair to you, Mark, when I said it was your least favorite because it's also Ken's. Um, Ranked ah. it pretty low as well, equally. Well, it's the reason. Yeah, well, yes. tell well, us why, yeah. Ken. <laughs> well, I have to agree with Mark. It's the same thing. I was I to the album this morning, and when it came to that song, it was just like a, ooh, a halt in momentum kind of thing. Um, and I thought, oh, you know what? I never really noticed that before. And I thought, yeah, they shouldn't even put a ballad on on this album. They should have just had another rocker just rock the whole darn album. I mean, this album's called revenge. Come on. So I would have saved that for, they could have saved it and maybe released it as a a new song as part of unplugged or in the unplugged tour, use it there. So do something like that. I, because unplugged that is again, another one of kisses songs. Like, Many other ones that are fully realized when they are, mm-hmm. you know, played live. And this is a, another one of those songs. It just doesn't work like it does on Unplugged. I don't know what it is. It's just something something about it. It just doesn't work the same way. Even though it's so close, it has orchestration, it's not the, still not the same. I don't know. Again, I don't know what it is. But, again, I would have just put something rocking um i think bob said oh we hey paul we need a beth we need a beth just like destroyer we need a world mm-hmm. without heroes just like the elder i mean need to do that every time just just put a rocker in there which uh ken what was the promotional cd single from mtv unplugged the promotional cd single from mtv unplugged yep. was it every time that I one you. yeah with rock and roll all night. So yeah, Paul wanted a second bite of that one. And sadly by then, you know, it was just too long in the tooth. Too late. All right, let's uh, try and crank this up a little bit because we don't want a four hour show. Long winded. 
Yeah, I just did a two-hour show with the Lipstick Guys for the Psycho Circus fake album, yeah, and that was I all heard the B-sides. Uh, thank you to everyone who did listen to that. All right, in fifth place, or sorry, in sixth place on 28 points is Thou Shalt Not. Never been a big fan of this song, mainly the vocal style, um, but musically, it's a great song. So I'll listen to the instrumental rather than the the one with lyrics. Mark, let's go to you. Well, I had this pretty high. I had this ranked number three on my list. And because I think it's Gene's, uh, one of Gene's best songs on this record that he did, actually, uh, I, I really like the attitude of this song. I, I disagree with Julian for once, I think. Uh, I think that he actually sings the song very well. I think it has all the right Gene attitude in it, you know. And I think that the chorus is very strong, you know. Even if, even though it's very simple, thou shall not. It's just, but it's very hard hitting and it's very, very well done. I mean, everything in this song to me, I think, is done really well. I'm actually very surprised that they put this on the second side of the record. It should have been on side A for sure, in my opinion, because it's a, it's very, very well done. It, it's, it has a lot of great guitar playing in here. I mean, the minute I heard this song, it caught me. And what I, what I found interesting about it, and maybe that's why they did it, is right after. You know, you come out of a ballad, you have something so hard hitting, it just wakes you out of that little slumpy coma that you get out of from the ballad. And it's just like, wow, like it just comes out fire, all guns firing with that song. I, I love it. I think it's a, a great. Like I said before, my top five that I picked for this, this was in there for sure. And these are the songs that really boosted the album for me. Lonnie, you're kind of with me. Not a big fan of this. Not a, not a huge fan of it. Again, you know, by the process of elimination by default it kind of fell down because i like because i have such high praise for so many other songs on the album that it just kind of falls short even though i do like the song i do like the lyrics you know like um you know with, with kind of the religious overtones to it even too um kind of like a rebel like a rebellious religious overtones to it um i, I kind of like I kind of like that, like the seventh grader would be kind of like that going to a Catholic school at the time too, you know? So it's kind of something that kind of spoke to me, but, um, not a, just, I like it, but just not as big of a fan of it as, as other songs on the record. Yeah. I think Gene had written it about one of the televangelists, uh, Jim Baker, mm-hmm. who had, uh, you know, obviously been up on his pulpit, yeah. damning us to damnation and hellfire, and then had been caught with a hooker or something, uh, like so many people before, the pontificators are caught out. Uh, so that's where he kind of comes from in that. But you know what? Uh, again, musically, this is a great Bruce track. Ken, you also ranked this very high in your list, so tell us why. Yeah, I've always loved it. I just like the, uh, you know, the, I don't know. What it is. I might say the beat, but not the beat, but the, the riff in it is, is fantastic. Um and, you know, I just have to give props for this whole album to Bruce Kulick. I just think he plays some of the nastiest guitar solos, you know, I've ever heard uh, recorded. And they're just fantastic. I just want to say, hey, man, he just did a great job on the, on this whole album. But uh, that is that was the song, that second song I heard off the album, because when I went into the club door thing, that was the song that was playing. I heard, you know, when it, when I got inside, I was like, oh, shoot, this is Kiss, another one. This is awesome, you know. So it was another great song, and I, I just, I just, 
you know, it's, it ranks high for me. I, I love, I love this song. I miss those days, Ken. New Kiss yeah. song. Oh, another new one. Remember that feeling yeah, when you heard something oh, out yeah. in the wild and you're like, that's oh, yeah. Paul Stan- that's Gene Sim- That's, <gasps> yeah. oh my God, I miss those days and they're gone. Yeah. All right, let's move into in fifth place on 29 points. My favorite song on the album, Heart of Chrome. I like this the first time I heard it. I like it to this day. It's a great Paul Stanley performance. Musically, it's a great song. Lyrically, it's a good kiss song. Um, it is simply my favorite song on the album, and I don't have to justify myself to anyone. Great choruses, great breakdown. It's Guitar Mageddon. <laughs> All right. Lonnie. Um... It's great. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I sound like an echo. I'm not as much fun today because I don't have anything bad to say about anything. Or I mean, I, I love what? Or, or beer. Or beer. Or beer. That's true. I'm still drinking coffee at six o'clock at night. But <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it at all. It's just. We all, we all have albums like these, though, that just speak to us for, for whatever reason. And, you know, I, I don't like I don't have a whole lot of we could go we could go through Appetite for Destruction. I wouldn't have anything bad to say about anything on that. Because we all have and like we want, you know, we go through Asylum. Julian, you don't have much bad to say about anything when we go through Asylum because it just speaks to you. It's awesome. So yeah, I mean, come on. There's very few Kiss albums that I think. Any one of yeah, us will yeah. bag on the whole thing as an entirety. Right. There may be a song mm-hmm. here or there that really does not work for us, but that doesn't make us kiss haters. No. Yep. Or we wouldn't no. be doing this show. I mean, Correct. you have to like something more than yeah. another in order to rank them. So, you know. All right, let's move on. Mark, your thoughts on Heart of Chrome? Um, not too hip on this song as you are. Uh, I think mainly because of it, like I said before, uh, it reminds me a lot of Tough Love. There's that kind of similarity in it. Um, and the one thing that I didn't like about this song I found is I found that the chorus is kind of um, it's kind of jumbly. Like I find that like it's very busy vocally in there. Like he comes up with that whole hey, and then he'll have that whole thing in the background behind it, like all that whole bit in there. I just find that there's a lot too much going on in the chorus vocally. It kind of gets a bit distracting, I find. Uh, where they have some of the songs where they're, where they're a little too simple, this is maybe a little unsimple for my liking. Uh, other than that, the guitar playing is good and stuff like that. And one thing that I always kind of base my decisions on is how much of the song I can remember long after I've stopped listening to the record. And this is one of the songs I never can seem to remember much of it. So to me, that doesn't mean that it sticks in my noggin that much, right? So, but overall, I think it's not a bad song. Just the chorus, I think, could have been done a bit better, but you know, it's kind of in the middle for me. Okay, Ken, final thoughts on Heart of Chrome? It's number six for me. Um, I think it it actually should have been probably switched on the album with uh, what was the other one? You know. Paul song that I put at the end, uh, tough love. Tough I mean, love. they should swap those. Yeah, tough loves. You know, I didn't like. So this song's good. It's a solid song. It's a typical Paul song, um, as far as I'm concerned. 
because um, this album is just a to me this is Gene's revenge Gene's album um, on this one it's just it's just this one works better for him and his style um, but yeah it's a good song uh, I kind of agree with Mark about the the chorus about it kind of being busy and I agree I've noticed that too so but it's still it's still okay all right, in fourth place, one of my. It, this is actually a song I think they should be doing on this tour to represent Bruce Kulick and get him on stage to play the damn thing. Um, God gave rock and roll to you two. Yeah, it's a rewrite of a cover, and fortunately they did get rid of all the Argenty shit out of the original version but by the time i got back to scotland in 1992 this was still on fucking playlists it was when i really realized that revenge was kind of big and then i realized that i just missed the uk tour i was like fuck fa <laughs> pardon me fa gotta always remember that so when i started reevaluating where i was at in terms of catching up on kiss it was holy shit, this is a really good song. It sounds fantastic. It's got lots of harmonies. It's got lots of guitars. It sounds absolutely incredible. This album is going to be fantastic. Um, to this day, it remains one of my favorite songs. I love how they play it over the PA at the end of a Kiss show. Never gets old to me. If they're not going to do it in concert, I like hearing it. So, big fan of this. It was a good enough song to make me actually watch a Bill and Ted movie. So, that, <laughs> that probably says it all. All right. I want to see who likes it the least. Ken. I like it the least. Yeah, but, sorry. Um, no, you know what? I, I, I liked it a lot more when, when it first came out. And when it was on uh, the Bill and Ted soundtrack, I had that soundtrack when it came out. Um, you know, I enjoy it. I just think it doesn't. Maybe I got sick of it, uh, or I don't know what it is. But um, it doesn't. It's another song that doesn't totally fit to me with the rest of the, the songs on the album. Um, but it still works. They did a good job of re- retooling uh, the Argent song. Um, so I, I'm no have no problem with it. Uh, earlier, Julian, you didn't, or who, who was it? Who was it? Or Mark talked about I just wanna in that one part. I think it's Mark, and uh, yeah, that that reminded me of they're trying to go for a Beach Boys thing there, but and that, that didn't work. <laughs> I just want to mention that. Yeah, maybe it should have been left as a non-album, you know, track, as so many bands do. But I guess they liked it enough and were happy enough. And it was obviously Bob's audition to work with the band on the full album. All right, uh, Lonnie, you like it the next least? Yeah, I have it more in the middle of the road. Um, I like the song. I really do. I like the way how it starts off soft and then just crunches in your face. Um, I, I like the lyrics to it. I, I agree with Julian that it's a song they should be playing on this tour that it was a big enough hit for them when it came out with Bill and Ted. And it's a great song. And I really enjoyed when they did it on the um, Rock the Nation tour in 04. And I really enjoyed it when they did it, when they did How to Show on Earth in summer of 2010. And they really haven't done much with it since then. So 
I, I really thought they would bring it back as a representation of this era. And unfortunately, they have not. And I think it's a shame. Um, I also agree with Ken in the fact that I think that it, in, it, maybe it, it's the one song to me that doesn't really fit in with the others on this album. Although I really enjoy the song, I think that it's, and it does have Bob Ezra as a producer, but it just seems like it's in a different vein than the rest of the songs on the album. So, but I do like the song, but I just don't think it fits with the theme of the rest of the album. And again, going back, you guys were, I said my piece on, on um, every time I look at you and then you guys start talking about how it doesn't fit on the album. Everybody was doing a, a ballad at that point. Everybody had their soft ballad that they threw in. If you didn't have a ballad that you threw in, it was almost like, where's the ballad at? Cause that was the formula that you had to have the ballad in there. You know, you had your one single and then you came back with the ballad and then you had a third single, which was another heavier tune. Kiss didn't do it that way, but um, I like the song and I wish they were doing it live. But I don't think it, it, it to me it's the one song that doesn't fit on the album as well. You're muted. I am now. Um, <laughs> can you imagine if they're performing this song live on the tour and they get to the high harmony and they just turn around and point up to the video screen and it's Eric Carr from the video? Ah. That'd be great. What a better way just to give a little yeah. tribute to him in the show. God gave rock and roll to you. And here is the Fox in his last video shoot with the band. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to cry. Mark, um, <laughs> let's get your thoughts on this song. Well, I, I really like this song. I mean, I, I understand a lot of the points that you guys made uh, because it was done as a separate uh, kind of single separate to the album there's always that kind of uh, sonic difference because it wasn't done at the same time that the rest of the album was tracked. So you're always going to have that sort of difference to it. It's not, it's not hugely different, but it is different enough that, you know, all of us have kind of noticed that doesn't seem to fit in with the rest of it. Um, with that said, I think that it's probably one of the stronger songs uh, on this record. I really like it. The guitar playing is fantastic. The, the harmony playing is really good on this. Uh, Gene and Paul, really sing well on this. I'm glad that they have Eric Carr in there represented as well in the breakdown part. Uh, I think it's just a really, really strong song. And like you guys said, it it should be represented on this tour, especially, you know, because it's a good representation of this era. You know, if they don't want to do some of the heavier songs on this tour, then pull this one out. It's just enough of cool in it. And there's just enough, you know, it's heavy enough, but not that heavy that it would, you know, dissuade them from singing it, I don't think. You know, I think I think it's a good song to do. Do you approve of the production? Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's move into the top three. In uh, third place on 31 points, Domino. And here's a shock. I have this ranked the lowest. Um, yeah. <laughs> I always thought it was just trying too hard to be cool, but it is really fucking cool. So that's all I'll say on that. Lonnie. And I want to hear what Mark has to say about Domino before I talk. Cause I got to I got to I want to hear what he says first. <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah? yeah. Mark, you're up. Well, <laughs> where, where do you have this rank? Where do you have this rank? Mark? Five. So it's in my top okay, five yeah. songs okay. of, of and, the and songs. You said I... There's five songs on this record that are incredible. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. He well, likes, so... he, he likes it more than you, Lonnie. 
Yeah, I, I like Domino. Go ahead, hang on. Go ahead. I, I think that Domino is kind of one of those Gene Simmons songs that, you know, again, harnesses his kind of attitude good, I think. And it's kind of a, it's a bit of a ZZ Top ish kind of feel to it in there mm-hmm. a bit, like, like especially that top, that it, it, it total ZZ Top ripoff. But it's it's still cool though. I think it kind of suits the the mood of it. And even though you know he it was not really a you know it's a song that he got another band to help him with as far as writing it. Yeah, but I think black that, and blue. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> But I, but I think that overall they capture a pretty cool vibe on it, and I think Bob, you know, did a good job with this song. I, I think that Gene sings it pretty well. I have nothing really bad to say about it. I think the video was kind of interesting about him just driving around in a car all the time. But other than that, I, I think it's not a bad song. Yeah, early 1990s dinosaur band budgets. Lonnie, sick him. So. You don't have a problem with Domino. You love Domino. That's one of your top five songs, but which contains the lyric, when that bitch bends over, I forget my name. But we have a problem with the song Spit because those lyrics are just flat down juvenile. Yeah. That makes zero sense. He's been been waiting this whole show for that Oh, you know I have. That makes zero sense. It's the same lyrics. It's the same thing. No, it's just no. two songs later. It's just track six instead of track four. It's the same thing. No. You have no not. problem with that bitch bends over and I forget my name, but oh, we don't have a problem with the okay, lyrics. Okay, but that's, that's one off. line. Come on. It's the one same line. thing. It's the same thing. Oh, <laughs> read the rest of the lyrics to the song. What is, it, what is the song about, Mark? What's uh. the song about? Uh, yeah, okay. But it's, okay, it's still... I just like it better. <laughs> I just like it better. There you have it. That, that's like a line. That's a line drawn in the sound, Lottie. I used to spit, but there's five songs on this record that are fantastic. Ken, yeah, I, Ken, great. talk talk us down. Talk Lottie down. <laughs> well, I had this ranked number two on my list. Lottie will be happy with that. And- he will approve because you were. But I didn't complain about the lyrics or anything like that. Yeah, you like it. Um, yeah, it's a good song. I, I agree with Mark though about the uh, ZZ Top little bit of feel there, um, and it's probably intentional, of course, because um, mm-hmm. uh, ZZ Top was pretty hot back around then or a little bit earlier oh, yeah. than then. Um, but um, uh, Don was, you know, one of my favorite songs from the album obviously uh because it's it's a gene you know it's gene stretching out trying to do something different and and making it work and it does work um yeah the videos whatever the video is i don't know understand it either um but that's not what it's all about it's just the the song itself is a cool song i think it has some good lyrics in it (laughs) um uh but I, i just like it uh, I I I like to hear it. I like the way it kicks in, and uh, you know, you know, lots of money and all that bit. You know, it's typical Gene type lyrics, um, but it works and it's it's catchy. All right, Samuel L. Weishauer, do you want to add anything on Domino? No, I, like, or... I like I like I like the you know keep the... your feet on the ground and everything. <laughs> You know, I, 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 I like the, the, the cheesy sexual lyrics, got me by the balls. So well, there's another lyric in there, too, that 
you know, maybe a little juvenile to some, but we like it, but we don't like others. But it's, I think, I think it's great. I like the way that MTV actually made him change the lyrics to uh, Backs Against oh, oh, yeah. Backs Against the Wall, and they did MTV Unplugged, um, as a, that they couldn't say. Got, got me to have it all. Got to have it all. Got to have it all. Yeah. As opposed to At the time when the uh, when the rappers are doing bitches and hoes, you can't say right. Balls. Yeah, but we made we made Kiss change the lyrics to their song. And no fire we, in their videos. Right. <laughs> so no, I think I think it's I think it's Tamino is actually a really really good song. I have it more middle of the pack on the record, but as far as my my rankings go, but it's it's good and it's fun. I do agree with the ZZ Top type of feel to it but and, and it's a very different kiss song than a lot of other kiss songs it has yeah. a feel to it than almost any kiss song no no kiss song is really comparable or, or like domino really mm-hmm. so no it is it's a fun song yeah and i mentioned the uh black and blue co- uh, connection with it because it was nasty nasty it was the main riff of that song mm-hmm. and then of course he cut it with silent rage and uh, you got the demo on the box set so you know everyone can get a feel for that without having to pay two thousand dollars all right let's go into second place take it off pretty baby put it back on put it back on um (laughs) yeah i've got this one ranked pretty low just because it hasn't aged well but come on back in the early 90s it was a fantastic song worked well in in concert obviously it was a a a showpiece for them to bring out local strippers so you know Mm -hmm. come on for that 14 year old (laughs) and lonnie He's like, yeah, perfect. Yeah, per- perfect. <laughs> the first, many a young Kiss fans first look at a G-string or a thong. There you go, um, Lonnie. Let's go to the fourteen-year-old. No, it's it's you know it's you know you 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 buy the so you know you go buy the record and your first song's Unholy. It's a single. It's great, you know. And the next song is Paul singing about strippers. Oh. I mean, you're, I mean, I'm like complete heavenless at this, at this point. You know, first is grungy, nasty, in your face, like the most in your face song with Unholy, most in your face song since Creatures of the Night. And then you go into a song about strippers and him, you know, my mind is getting dirty around 1130. Oh, this is, this, it's, it's great. I love it. And it's, it's, song, it's a song that, that, that I find myself you know, singing along to in the car a lot. It's, it's, it's very, um, you know, head bobbing, you know, forget about your catchy, just forget about your worries type music. Like a lot of songs off their early records, even to me. Um, I, it's, it's very kiss esque that it's, that it's about women, that it's about, you know, the sexual experience. And I love it. I think, I think it's great. I have it pretty high on my list. I don't have it. I don't have it. Number two, I have it at maybe three or four, four, but I, it, it, and Paul's Paul's vocals again are great on the song. Mm-hmm. Paul sounds amazingly great with his vocals on the song. So it's really high. I really like it. Yeah. So that that did have a point that uh, yeah, take it off is kind of like take me for the nineties. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Second song on the record. What you were saying earlier yeah, about what yeah. was wrong with you know take me being written in the 70s and something like spit being written in the 90s well take it off is the right way to write take me in the 90s and spit isn't but uh let's go to ken yeah i i, I agree with lonnie uh it's a great song great uh, great vocal is paul's best vocal 
on the album, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's talking about the strip clubs and, and whatnot and, you know, girls taking it off, whatever. But, I mean, it was good. Um, it's it's Paul's, you know, this is Paul. He, he likes that kind of stuff. So it, it's a... It's one of the better songs on the album. Um, I think I had it number three. Um, I've always liked it. It meant to be one of the early songs on the album. It's, it's in the right place. Um, right up front there, right after Unholy. So it's a, it's a song that I, I'm not going to skip. Um, it's just a solid written catchy song by Paul. Yep, his version of Girls, Girls, Girls. Now, Lonnie, mm. I hope this doesn't set him off, but uh, this is Mark's. He's uh, he's ranked this the highest out of all of us. So tell us why, Mark. <laughs> well, um, like I said before many times, when, uh, when a band can do a one-two punch well on a record, it's a mm. sign of a decent record. And... Kiss can do this pretty well on some of their records where they have a great first song and a fantastic second song. And this is a great example of that. I think Take It Off is easily Paul's best song on this record, for sure. Um, mm. It has this this song, I'll agree with Julian in one way, it hasn't aged well. But to me, this has a sort of sentimental uh, connection to me because back when I was 19 years old, me and the guys in my band, the Nasty Black, we used to frequent the strip bars all the time here in in uh, Ontario, and you know we had everything. We had full nudity here. It was, you know, it was heaven compared to how it was in the states as far as strip clubs go. Um, so over here, you know, we were one with the strip bars. So this song was like a national anthem for us when we were 19 years old. You know, when it, it connected to us on that level. Now later on, you know. I can listen back to it and kind of smile and think back to those days, you know, and like you said, lyrically, it maybe seems a little, you know, not so cool now, but it's, it's a great song. I think musically it's very well done. You know, I know it's, it's, it's ironically, it's one of the songs that Eric Singer doesn't play drums on, but it, the style of it though, is still pretty, pretty similar. You would, you would, you wouldn't be, you would be hard pressed to point out that it wasn't him drumming on it. He did a good job. I think of, mimicking that feel of the record uh but overall i think it's really well done the breakdown is good the solos are really good in this song and i, I think it's just very catchy i think it's one of the better second second tracks on a kiss album very cool great explanation for your feelings about it all right we're down to the top song which would have been unanimous had it not been for me um, if Alex had been on the show, thank you, Alex, for sending in your rankings as backup for this episode. It would have had a perfect score of what would have been. It would have been 48 points, but for me. So let's recount the, the rankings. 12th place, Car Jam, 1981, on 7 points. Followed by Tough Love on 17 points. Spit on 18. I Just Wanna on 23. Paralyzed on 24. Every Time I Look at You on 27. Thou Shalt Not on 28. Heart of Chrome on 29, God Gave Rock and Roll to You 2 on 30, Domino on 31, Take It Off on 34, and A Runaway, because three of you had it as your favorite song on this album, on 44 points, duh, or fuh, unholy. So, what do I have to say? Well, I just think that 
paralyzed, God gave rock and roll to you, or God gave rock and roll to you too. Yeah, that whatever it is. Every time I look at you and Heart of Chrome are better, so that's why I have it kind of low. But come on, on this album, even in eleventh place, it's still a damn good song. Um, Unholy. Again, as a lead-off single, I think it's probably the best lead-off single or lead-off track going back to Creatures of the Night. The aggression, the attitude, the declaration is all there. The style of the music, who would have thought Kiss introing a song with a guitar scratch, you know, that kind of coming in and then into the funky-ass chord, because that thing's brutal. Just something so unkiss-like. And then the video... It's a it's a great song, even if it's not my f- f- number one pick from this album. Let's go to Ken. It's your number one pick. Did you you didn't even hear this in in uh, what was it in '92 in the club because you came in later when the album was playing, right? Or had you heard it before then? I heard it. Well, yeah, like I said earlier in the show, I heard it on the Headbangers Ball. Uh, I think I heard on Headbangers Ball. Yeah, I did. I know I did before. Before the club, it was before the club date, um, so th- that's where I heard it and I saw the video because I recorded it. So, uh, yeah, I-, I knew it was a fantastic song. I mean, the video worked for it, um, but just the the guitar tone um, of Bruce Kulick and and Gene's. This is Gene's best vocal on the album, obviously, too. Um, just a great written song with a cool riff and, uh, and this is the type of song Gene should be singing. I mean, this is the, you know, the, the demon type song, perfect song. He hadn't had one since what war machine, I guess would be kind of the last song, uh, since that. So it's had been a while that we, we got, you know, something that he should have been singing instead of, you know, uh, lonely as a hunter or something. I mean, burn, it's just, that's burn. just not a burn, bitch, burn. Yeah. Um, so this is a great song. It's, and I know why it was released as a single because it's the best song on the album and it's the first song on the album. It's perfect. Perfect song. Mark, your thoughts on unholy. It's perfect. I think it's the best opening song that they've done in a long 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 time uh the fact that gene got to start off a record for once is telling because i mean usually it's paul's track to have on a record uh you know we were also it's it's interesting though how we kind of glazed over the fact that Vinny's involved with a lot of these songs uh we haven't mentioned him at all in this but i guess credit has to go to mr cassano for this song because the riff is definitely his for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, hats off to him. It's a, it's a cool riff. I love, I love that riff. It's one of those, was one of the first things I learned off this album on guitar was this song. Cause I loved it so much. Um, it has all the attitude. It has all the right performance in it. Um, also you can't help but feel that sonically because of records like the Metallica black album and the records that came out before this, they'd wanted to try to match this kind of sonic thunder on the drums that they have for this song. It's it's a uh, it, it's great. I mean, this song for me piqued my interest immediately. So when my friend played this to me and I heard this the first time, it immediately like like caught me and pulled me in. And that's exactly what you want your opening track to do. 
And I think that this song, and this is saying a lot coming from me, this song I think is just as good an opener as King of the Mountain. Nice. Lonnie, it's only fair that we give you the final word on Revenge with your thoughts on Unholy. Unholy is, I like what Ken and, and Mark said, Unholy is the perfect song. It's so heavy and so dark and is exactly what Kiss needed in 1992 was for the demon to return. And not only having a Gene song be the lead song, lead song on the album, but for them to be the first, a Gene song to be the first single on the album. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is that the only time that's ever happened? <laughs> because it's always a Paul song as the lead single. And it's like heroes. the G- What's that? A world without heroes. Yeah. Calling Dr. Love and Christine 16, I think, were the lead singles. Well, as, yeah, as first song on the album and single. Oh, first oh, yeah. song? Yeah. Damn. That's wow. unheard, yeah. Of. Yeah. unheard of. That's unheard of. I mean, the, what Kiss needed was the demon. And despite the fact that the album didn't sell as well as the band had hoped and that the band had anticipated or wanted it to, it was still the perfect recipe at the time that this song show people that kiss was back and kiss was here to take revenge for that for lack of better terms. Nice. Thank you. See what I did there. So it's perfect. It's, it it was, it was a perfect recipe for what the band and what, what the band was looking for and what the band needed. A heavy song, a gene song, a different feel from what they had been releasing in previous years with, rise to it with let's put the X in sex with crazy, crazy nights as their lead singles from albums that this is darker. This is dirtier. And this is kiss without makeup the way kiss should look without makeup and the way kiss should sound without makeup. It was perfect. It really truly was. And it's a shame. I guess it came out, I guess revenge really came out a year or two late. And maybe it would have been received better and had stronger sales had been released a year or two early. But it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I Thank you. What else can we say? You know, I, I was just looking back through my notes there about what I read about some of these songs and I, I completely missed one. I just want to just get on my nerves now. It's like an overly excitable yap yap dog that keeps jumping up for attention that you want to punch really bad. <laughs> no, I'm going to lecture you now. Uh, However, my favorite drums on the album. <laughs> so there we go. All right. There's our rankings. That's revenge. Put the album on, spin it. You know, where do you put all these songs? They're just little puzzles that you put in order on a daily basis. And wherever they fall on that day is all down to what mood you're in or what resonates. None of it ultimately matters. It's just a way to organize it. That's our ranking. Unholy, our favorite song. Um, and Car Jam, our least. Damn it all. So, fuh you. We're out of here. That's the show. What? Fuh. <laughs> uh, I know what you're saying. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> Go home. Uh, anyway, that's it for now. So we thank you for listening, and we shall see you next time. Take care. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. 
We hope you'll join us again.